of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle, America will continue the dream. A beautiful morning for a launch in Florida. Ten, the igniters have been lit. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And liftoff at dawn. The dawn of Orion and a new era of American space exploration. Welcome to part three of the NeoZaz.com miniseries podcast, Orion EFT-1. And this part is very likely the part you've been waiting for. This is the final episode of the miniseries, and with that comes the launch of Orion itself. This took two days of coverage to get to that point, and to explain why... Let's start the episode. Here is part three of the NeoZaz.com Orion EFT-1 miniseries. So day two for me, that started at 2.30 in the morning. And why that started at 2.30 in the morning is probably best explained on the recording I made just after 2.30 in the morning as, as I was headed out. I'll play that right now. This is day two of the NASA Social Orion event, and it is currently 3.15 a.m. and I am headed out to the meeting area where we're going to board on the bus and go to our special reserve viewing area for the launch today. It's probably a little earlier than I need to go, but I've been just overhearing horror stories of traffic of launches back in the shuttle days, and with this being the first Orion launch, uh, I, I really don't want to take the chance of being stuck in traffic and missing the bus because this is if if I miss the bus that's it there's I'm not seeing it so I really don't want that that to happen so I set my alarm super early got up packed through all my stuff in the car and hit the road I'd rather sit I'd rather be super early and sit there and wait than well, miss it. I mean, that's really it. and Or, or, or even rushing to the last second, but uh, certainly don't want to miss it. So I think if I'm sitting there for an hour waiting, and anyone that knows me knows that my biggest thing I hate most in life is wasting time, but I think this is going to be that one exception that has happened in a long, long time that I will sit there and, and be happy to wait because it means I will make it onto the bus. So... That is all I got right now. I didn't check the Orion blog or anything yet to see what the go percentage was. When we left yesterday, it had gone up from 60 to 70%, uh, looking good to go. So, uh, weather seems nice today. I mean, it's a little hazy, but it's also 3 in the morning. But I don't, I uh, can't tell if it's too cloudy or not. It's too dark to tell, but the. It's not very cold, so hopefully there's not a lot of cloud cover, and hopefully we see this. So, can't wait. And 
that's probably what will come up next in the recording, so we'll see. So I'll be back in a bit. It is exactly 3.55, and I have arrived at the parking lot, the meeting spot, where we're getting on the buses to go to our viewing area, and I'm kind of happy to say I'm not the first one here. Ain't a whole lot of people here. In fact, let's see. One, two, three, four. I'm the fifth car here, so... At least I'm not the, uh, wasn't the only one that was wanting to make sure we did not get stuck in traffic. And there was a light getting onto this particular road where it, the traffic was backed up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I, are you telling me I did not leave enough time? But turns out that, I don't know if that light's wacky or it has a weird uh, timing thing this early in the morning. But like the green light was like literally two or three seconds. I didn't count it, but it's like it was green. And then yellow and red, and then the red would be like a minute, it felt like. So that was that delay. So I'm here under a big light generator, which I think is the was the beacon light to find this parking lot because it's not it's not off the beaten path, but I never knew I've been down this road probably thirty times with going to Kennedy Space Center and coming down here for that uh Space Coast half marathon that I had done a couple years. It's also down this way. I've never seen this parking lot. It's huge. I don't know how I missed it, but I've never seen it. So luckily that light was there to kind of spotlight it. And I pulled right in and now I'm waiting. And like I said, happily doing so because now I know I'm going to make the bus. Let's just hope for the launch now. There was a post on Facebook. It is. It was by NASA. I don't. I, I really don't know what I was trying to say. It. The first time I read it, it sounded like the launch is like... In, only a thirty percent chance of the launch. Then I now that I've stopped and pulled it up on my on my phone and instead of driving, it sounds like there's a thirty percent chance of it not launching, which would be a seventy percent chance of launch. But I'm still not sure if I'm reading that right, or even if that thirty percent has anything to do with the launch. Who knows? So I'm just hoping for the launch. Period. So we'll see. And I'll be back with more I'm not sure what's next, but we'll find out. So once everyone started to filter in the parking lot, we kind of met up in in groups under the lights and talked and just kind of recapped the day before and and whatnot. And then just about by five o'clock, members of the social team has shown up and started to get us ready on the bus. And just after five, all three buses were loaded and they took roll call. And promptly at 540, as was listed on the agenda, we headed out to the viewing area. Now, traffic was... I don't even know what word you use for this. Insane? Uh, backed up? A car? Uh, uh, I don't know. Cars? We got maybe a mile down the road till we stopped, and it was just a slow trickle of cars getting to their viewing spaces, and all we could do was sit and wait. It's actually quite uh, welcomed by me. I had a little bit of a nap. I don't think I ever fell asleep, but I got some good, good deep rest, which I needed because I had not gotten much sleep tonight before. But anyway, a long story short, I'm not going to account the entire traffic thing. I will tell you that the buses pulled up to our, our reserve viewing area at 3.55, and the, or I'm sorry, 6.55, and the launch was scheduled for 7.05. So we had to book it to get ready if the launch was going to go off on time to get to where we needed. So we got off, we got to our reserve viewing area. Like I said, it was reserved just for us, for the 150 of us. And we got into space and you look to the right and there was a bunch of trucks and a bunch of people and cameras and People stacked on one another, trying to find a get their best spot. To the right, I mean, sorry, to the left, there was 
I don't know, like 600-ish chairs, somewhere between 600 and 1,000, probably not quite 1,000, closer to 600 chairs, every one of them full, another 100 people behind them standing. And then there was our spot. Just every one of us had more than enough room to line up in front of the safety rope and no one behind us, all this area to ourselves. Talk about feeling like a VIP. I mean, wow. <laughs> when you're in the midst of a reported, I don't know, it was like 210 or 120,000. I, I don't remember which number, but it's just some insane number of people. And you're in the emptiest spot because it's reserved for you where you can relax and walk around and stretch your legs. Yeah, we felt pretty special. At least I did. I think I safely speak for a majority of the people that are in my group. We felt pretty darn special. So my view, I, I staked my claim on my spot. My view was great, but the sound was terrible because just feet from me was a generator for one of the overhead lights. And it was just going, even when the sun came up, it was still going. So I, I wasn't disappointed. I guess maybe I was a little disappointed because audio is a big thing to me, as you can guess with all the podcasting I do, including this episode. So I wanted to really capture the audio of this event and that generator is making it difficult. But nonetheless, I could not complain at all about how close I was and how much room I had kind of to myself. And I did slide over as far from it as I could, but really with those things, you got to be at 10, 15 feet away for it to make any difference. So I dealt with it. Really didn't put a damper on my spirits by any means whatsoever. As far as in the back of my head reporting all this, I was like, eh, it could it could be better when the time comes. But I was not going to let it spoil my moment by any means at all. So like I said, we only had about 10 minutes by the time we got off this bus. And I had my, my camera in one hand and I had a tripod and a mount for my phone for the other. I was going to use the phone to videotape everything. So I set everything up, got everything aligned, got as wide a... a, a, a I don't know what you would call it, a larger field of view of the launch area. I adjusted the tripod so that the bottom of the camera is right at the edge of where the platform was so I could get it going up as far as the sky as I could without having to watch it because I didn't want to miss the launch with my own eyes. So I wasn't going to sit there and fiddle with the zoom and everything and focus and whatnot on on either of my cameras. I was going to watch it with my eyes and let the cameras do the best they could without me. So got everything set up. We're about to get to the four minute countdown, which is the the big countdown, that's where everything's going to go. And the launch gets held because there's a boat that <laughs> entered the launch range. So all the, and I'm not going to say all that frantic setting up was for nothing, but we did have some more time to make adjustments, which I did, and wait for the everything to resume. So the boat got cleared, safely cleared. They started again. We all started to get excited, uh, but... This was short-lived because when we got the countdown again, it was held because now the wind started to pick up and the gust exceeded their 21-knot threshold, and this was at 7.17. So already, 12 minutes into this main event, already two delays. So, But I didn't care. I was still there. I wasn't moving. We all waited patiently again, and this time we waited, we waited quite a bit because the next expected launch they had announced was going to be 755. I guess they were kind of looking at the weather, looking at the weather pattern, looking at what was coming and and really didn't see any need or even maybe possibility of even attempting again till 755. So we were able to walk around, talk, chat. There was actually of all things a Sunny's barbecue stand there. So you could get something to eat. I, I was not hungry. I think I was more excited than anything else. So, uh, but we had the time to eat and walk and stretch our legs, use the restroom and then get ready for 755. But when 7.55 came, or actually when we were approaching 7.55, the count got held again. Again, 
for the wind gusts. So here we are waiting one more time. So we were still optimistic. I, I know I was. The people I talked to was. There was still at this point. There's still plenty of time in a launch window, and knowing Florida weather, it could change in a minute. So we weren't really worried about weather being a problem. We looked all around. No dangerous clouds. I mean, there's clouds in the sky, but no dark clouds. Nothing that we saw. I mean, none of us were experts. I certainly wasn't an expert. I don't even speak for everybody else. I was no expert. Certainly didn't look like anything that was on the horizon that needed to be worried about. So the winds did die down and the weather held out in our favor or as far as in ours, I mean, for the launch. And now the countdown was on again, but it got held again. And this time it was a technical problem. This had to do with a fuel valve on the second stage booster that wouldn't report as closed when they sent the single to close. So again, launch gets held. And this time it was now 826. Now we, at least me and people I talked to, this is where we started to get a little nervous because 826 was a little past the halfway point of the launch window. So half that window was gone. So now we're kind of like, there's less time ahead than behind. So we're hoping to get works out, hoping everything gets worked out. So we waited and this one was a long wait. The audio from the launch broadcast was piped through the speakers in the viewing area. This is the same audio that if you were watching the launch on NASA TV or NASA's website, this is the same audio you'd be hearing. Uh, so we were hearing the direct reports that everyone else in the world watching was hearing, and they did a pretty good job of explaining the situation, but the reports never really changed. It was always the problem existed. So now... I think we're starting to collectively accept that we're probably not going to see a launch today. The part of me that obviously wanted to see this kept saying, no, 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 they'll get a fix. They got this down to science. But the rest of my brain was saying, this, this is not happening. I, most of me was convinced it was not going to happen, which was unfortunate. I was still excited, still hopeful, but the wind was taking a little bit out of my sail at this point. Then we got to... The 20 minute mark, there's 20 minutes left in the launch window, and they restarted the clock, also stating that they hope to have the problem fixed in this 20 minutes. Basically, they're starting the clock now because they needed to start the clock if they were even going to try to launch in the launch window. That pretty much told us that the fact that they started the launch clock, but they haven't, or the launch count, the countdown clock, I should say, and haven't reported that the issue is fixed, that's, we knew it wasn't going to happen. So, Countdown, even though it was on, we knew it wasn't really going to happen. So now we're quickly approaching the close of the launch window. And at 9.37, the launch officially gets scrubbed. United Launch Alliance launch conductor Scott Barney recommending a scrub for today. And we will set up for a 24-hour recycle. On that one... We are scrub for today. We're proceeding to Operation 80, scrub D-tank operations. So with the launch now officially scrubbed, we all reluctantly boarded onto the buses again, thinking that they were going to take us back to the meeting area where we had left our cars, but that wasn't the case. We didn't see a launch that morning, but... Continuing with a phrase that I've used many times on this podcast, I'm happy to say the day was far from over. 
The buses all convened outside the vehicle assembly building, and from there we split up. One bus headed to the entrance of the VAB for a guided tour, and the other bus, the one that I was on, headed to the new countdown clock. So for a little bit of backstory here, or explanation, whatever you want to call it, on December 1st of this year, 2014, NASA replaced the old countdown clock at, the, at Launch Complex 39. The old one was the one that was seen in every shuttle launch. It had the huge digital numbers counting down hours, minutes, and seconds. This new one was a seven, is a seven-foot-tall, 26-feet-wide LED display. And it, it works much and looks much like an outdoor stadium LED display. This new display not only shows the current countdown, but it can display images and streaming video from multiple sources having to do with that particular mission. We all got plenty of time to, to check out the clock, take pictures, and one of the social hosts, in this case, Jason Townsend, took the time to take individual pictures of each of us in front of the clock. As usual, my posed picture, whatever you want to call it, looks incredibly awkward, but I got it nonetheless. But my selfie actually looked pretty darn good. And that became my Facebook cover photo to accompany my Orion selfie picture. That was currently my profile picture. We got to wander the grounds a little bit of the press area as well. And we saw all the network TV vans and trucks that were lined up there to cover the event as well. Not, not unlike we were. So when we wrapped up, from there, we had headed over to the vehicle assembly building. Now, I think I mentioned this earlier in the recording. I've been inside the VAB twice before, but in a very limited capacity. As the shuttle fleet was being retired, tours opened up for the VAB. I was incredibly fortunate enough to visit while Endeavor was in the VAB, and then a second time when both Endeavor and Atlantis were inside the VAB. Now, both times you can only walk about 20 or 30 feet inside and stay in this specifically roped off area. This time we walked the length of the floor and the inside parameter of the VAB. And it was, it was awesome. The first notable thing that we saw was the heavy crane, the crane that's usually near the top of the building. Well, it was lowered all the way down to the floor because it was being modified and fitted to work with the upcoming SLS system. From there, we stopped at this huge side bay and we were just feet, just feet away from one of the crawler transports. This is the huge mobile platform that carried both Apollo and the space shuttle to the launch complexes. And now it's in there being adjusted to accommodate the SLS as well. I, I've seen these crawlers before, but usually it's through a bus window on the bus tour from KSC, but I, I've never been, I don't think this close on a bus and certainly not this close in real life. I mean, these things are huge and looking at the treads alone and being a huge Star Wars fan, as I also said earlier in this podcast, I can't help but think of the Jawa sand crawler from the original Star Wars. This was another among a long list and a list I've completely lost count of, of unexpected surprises for this whole event. And particularly for this day, after having missed out, uh, having to launch Scrubbed, we didn't really miss anything. It's not like it went off and we missed it, but having to launch Scrubbed to follow up with something like this is just, it was extraordinary. And I, I loved it. I don't think there's any question of that from just the tone of my voice, how much I loved this experience. 
from the crawler we had walked over to, I guess maybe better said under, High Bay 3. High Bay 3 is the tallest open bay in the VAB, and it's where the final assembly of the vehicles are done. In fact, the, the, bay, the bay reaches from floor to ceiling, and on one of the sides of the bay were blue and white marker flags that marked the height of different spacecraft vehicles. Uh, space vehicles. Uh, the lowest was the space shuttle. The next up, uh, much, much higher than that, and surprisingly was the SLS. I actually thought that was going to be the highest, but, but it's not. Just feet over that, and I mean just mere feet over that, is the Saturn V from the Apollo program. Now, taking in that the SLS is two booster rockets and designed on a half century of improved technology and mechanics, and, and seeing that it's a dual system and that the Apollo is just one and the Apollo or the Saturn V is just one rocket system, seeing that the Saturn single rocket is just mere feet taller than the SLS, which is going to be a dual system, really put in perspective for me finally in this event, in this weekend or this, these two days, I'm sorry, it wasn't a weekend, these two days, how powerful the SLS is going to be. And really... My my interest level in it just shot through the roof once I was standing there staring at that. So, but more on that sometime in the future. So this was obviously another one of those tours that I just did not want to end, but it did. And this was now the end of the day, and we were taken back to our cars in the parking lot area where we met. So after getting to my car and getting on the road, I did a little bit of recording again on my wrap-up of day two, and here is that now. This is the end of day two of the NASA social, and it would have been the end of the entire social experience, but Orion did not launch. And from what I understand, and I'll probably follow up in the actual recording of the podcast, it was either a faulty valve or faulty valve sensor that they weren't sure if it was opening or closing on two of the engines. There's three engines in the Delta Heavy rocket. So until they were sure, until they can figure it out, it was scrubbed. There were three legitimate attempts. So all of us, there's 210,000 people reported to be there. I was with my group of 150 for the social media group. And all of us got our heart racing three times just to be cut short. So, But now that means there is a day three, and I will be going to that. In fact, day two was not at all in any way a total wash because we did some really cool things after that. One of which was we get a didn't get to just see, but we actually got to go up to and take pictures and look at and, well, we didn't touch. We could have, I guess, but I don't think we were daring enough to, the new countdown clock, the new digital display clock. The other thing was a tour of the VAB, the Vehicle Assembly Building, which I've done twice before, but it was pretty much you go in and you go out. Not this time. We went in, walked around, walked the other side, walked back, saw a, uh, 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 oh, I can't think of the name, uh, the, um, Oh my God, I can't believe it's the crawler. The crawler was in there. Uh, that's the closest I've ever been to a crawler outside of a bus and saw parts of the VAB I'd never seen before. So more details on that. And a lot more details on the actual waiting for the launch experience because I was making notations as things happened because I just did not want to be standing here with a recorder at my mouth and miss anything that may have happened. So more on that in the podcast recording. 
and more on this whole experience on day three. So I got home, but my day in particular, it's in relation to this launch, didn't quite end. To get a little more information and the whole picture of the scrub, I watched the news conference read broadcast on NASA TV with Mark Geyer, Lockheed Martin project manager for Orion, Mike Hawes, and ULA chief operating officer, Dan Collins. Again, this is a clip that is on the YouTube channel, and it's a lot of Q&A, and I'm not going to play it here. I, I think the, it was basically more details on the summary I gave about the scrub sequence earlier in this recording, but if you do want to see it, it is on the NASA channel on YouTube the, in its entirety. So again, it, it, to, to get the full picture of, of this entire event, I do encourage you to check it out, and I will link it into my show notes as well. So now we have a day three of this two-day event. Now, even though that this NASA social was scheduled to be a two-day event, that we were all welcome back for day three. No questions asked, not even a problem. In fact, by if not by the time I got home, by the end of that evening, there was an email outlining what was going to go on and what we needed to do for day three from the social team. I think from Jason, actually. Uh, specifically. Again, these Jason and John do a fantastic job with this whole event and interacting with all the participants. So thanks again to them for that. I was not going to miss this. There's no way. So once again, I was up at 2.30 and headed out. And here is the recording of the start of day three I made on my way to the meeting area. This is the beginning of day three of the two-day NASA social event. I'm sure it was mentioned earlier in the recordings that the Orion launch yesterday was scrubbed at the end with, uh, I think, like about 10-ish minutes in the entire launch window. It was finally scrubbed, so they're trying again this morning. I'm really hoping they do it. Um, I don't know why I have a good feeling it's going to happen. I really have no idea where the feeling is coming from. It's probably from sheer hope. But it is, let's see, it is 3.23 in the morning. And I am about a half hour away from the meeting site. I'll be waiting there just under an hour probably before we can load the buses and then try it again. So really hoping for a launch this morning. Really excited again. Uh, got even less sleep during the night, but I did get some sleep right after the event yesterday. I cashed in a personal day to be here this morning because I, after going through this whole entire event for the the past two days, I, I there's just no way I can miss this. It's a once in a life. It's very literally a once in a lifetime opportunity because the Orion capsule is only ever going to be launched for the first time once, so I I, I couldn't miss it. Uh, there's also if it gets scrubbed today, there's another launch window tomorrow, so I could be making potentially making this drive one more time. I'm hoping not, fingers crossed. But if need be, I will do it again. And then I don't know what the status is after that. It's like a day's wait after that, so I I don't know that I can take more time off from work if it falls during a weekday. So hoping for today, for sure, then we don't have to worry about it. So... I will be back with some kind of recording soon. Now, while we were invited back for this third day, not everyone can make it. And a lot of the attendees that were from out of state and, and presumably from out of the country were a lot, a lot of them 
weren't able to show up for this third day. In fact, we went from three buses to two half full buses on our way there. And then on the way back, they actually loaded all of us in the one bus because we had enough seats. So essentially we went from three full buses to one bus. And that I actually, that was too bad that they all couldn't make it because I, I gotten to know everybody to some extent, some a little better than others. And it was a little sad to see that much of our, our group not there. And I, I did feel bad for that those that, that couldn't make it for that third day, especially have going have gone to the trouble of traveling, which which gets a little especially if you fly a little harder every day that goes by nowadays. It was too bad that they couldn't stay and, and see the launch on that third on this third day. But for those of us that were able to return, we were really, really hoping for a launch that morning. No doubt. I didn't even need to really ask the entire group. The people that I sat near on the bus and then stood next to on the grounds, there wasn't a doubt that any of us were really, really hoping to see a launch that morning. We arrived to our viewing area, and and now with our group considerably smaller, we were able to get even better spot. At least I was able to get a better spot. I don't know where everyone else that was with me was standing, but namely for me, well away from that generator. In fact, I think they had moved our spot a bit and the generators, I don't even think were in front of us. I think they're on either side of us. In fact, you know, just as a side note, now that I realize it, someone, when the sun came up, someone walked by a NASA personnel in a safety jacket, walked by and turned all those off. I don't know why they didn't do it the day before. I'm going to guess probably because there was more of a viewing area because a lot more people were there. That's a guess. I don't know that. But anyway, it just occurred to me now as I'm talking all this out. But now that I was set up in a quieter area, I was able to make this recording from the viewing area that I will play right now. Okay, my first actual report from the launch site viewing area. Did not get to do one yesterday. I was too excited. We're here a little earlier. I got an awesome spot and I am all set up with my phone on a tripod for video. Got my camera on my shoulder. I'm just gonna stand here, plant my feet and wait and not going anywhere until this thing goes off the ground. Now, as long as we had waited the day before, this morning there was not much waiting at all. In fact, the first set of announcements that were piped in over the speakers lining the viewing area was some pretty good news all around and I actually have what we heard right here. Currently we are watching a cloud that's moved off to the west of a shower. Um, we have been concerned that that might cause an LTC violation, but it did pass um, and, and dissipate as fully dissipate as it moved to the west, enough to where we did not have to call an LTC violation for that, so we are still going off the strength. So very good news from Kathy Winters. Once again, uh, we are completely go Now, after this, the energy level really started to rise all around and everyone was just lined right up against that safety rope with all eyes on Orion. We were all pretty sure. In fact, I think a lot of us would have put money on that this was it. This launch was about to happen. It's hard to believe that the excitement level could get any higher at this point. But it did when we heard this over the speakers. OLC, Orion transfer to internal power is complete. Roger. The Orion spacecraft now operating its own batteries. A beautiful morning for a launch in Florida. Coming up on seven minutes before launch. Oh, minus seven minutes. Status check, two, terminal count, MEQ. Go, MEA. 
Give me a go. H-Y-E. Go. Lock one. Go. Lock two. Go. B-P. Go. P-N-E. Go. B-P. Go. A-T-C one. Go. P-E-A. Go. Fuel one. Go. Fuel two. Go. T-M one. Go. A-T-C three. Go. T-M two. Go. F-M-A. Go. B-E. Go. E-E-A. Go. G-E. Go. S-Y-S. Go. D-S-E. Go. Timer. Go. D-C-S. Go. Q-E. Go. U-S-O. Go. O-S-M. Go. B-S-E. B-S-E is go. A-L-C. Go. A-C. A-C is go. R-C. Clear to proceed. Launch director. This is the launch director. You have permission to launch. Proceeding with the count. Now, after that poll, that took us to that four-minute countdown. This is where, if it was going to happen, it was. this was the start of it. And the excitement just kept growing. The closer that clock got to zero, the more it felt like this was going to happen, the more we knew history. We were about to see a piece of history right in front of our eyes. The clock just kept ticking. It felt more real. We knew it was going to happen. And then finally, it did. 30. Status check. Go Delta. Go Orion. Rainboard. 25. Flight lock in. T minus 20 seconds. T minus 20 seconds. 15. Rope ignition. 10. The igniters have been lit. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And liftoff at dawn, the dawn of Orion, and a new era of American space exploration. The launch, the launch is... To use the word incredible is an understatement. It is, it was a, a full century experience. A, a lot of people have told me that seeing a launch live is completely different than viewing it on TV or on the web, which I know is, is true. Uh, logically, that is true. But I didn't really and couldn't appreciate or understand that statement until I, I experienced it myself. And now I know how much different it is. And words don't really describe in all accuracy how much different a live viewing a live launch out of Kennedy Space Center is. There's really not a lot I can say about it now having experienced it. Uh, and, and the fact that this was a historic flight, a historic launch. This is the first launch of our new space vehicle. This vehicle is finally taking us back to the moon. This is going to Mars. This is just things of comic books and cartoons and movies growing up for me. And now I just saw the first step of that becoming a reality in, in my lifetime, fate willing. <laughs> This this is actually going to happen, and I saw the first bit of that, and that, uh, as you can tell, uh, uh, my notes trail off, and it's leaving me speechless now, trying to put it into words. I hope I'm articulating 
and bring I know I'm not articulating actually that's a bad that's a wrong word to use I hope I'm expressing how much this event meant to me and how exciting and how important it is to the future and really the current space program I mean this is this is a start of something incredibly exciting and incredibly important as far as experiencing it on site and being able to talk about it, it wasn't until after the bus took us back to the meeting spot and I was driving home that I was able to start trying to put this in the words. So maybe this will better explain the experience and better relay what had happened. These are my somewhat initial reactions and recording. It's about 30 minutes after the launch. But it's the closest I recording. But it's the closest recording I have uh, post launch, and I'll play it for you right now. Well, I am driving home after having seen a successful launch of the Delta IV Heavy with the Orion on top, and it was pretty amazing. It, it, really, not much more to say other than maybe trying to describe it. I think this flight went off with, uh, I think this is what you would call going off without a hitch because it, it well, we, were, we got there pretty early. I'd say about, about an hour-ish. We'll say, we'll say 50 minutes before the actual launch. I heard all the reports. The weather was, was getting better and better as we were waiting. Uh, the malfunction or, or the issue with the valves yesterday, they were talking how that at all checked out. Uh, they kept saying every 15, 10, 15 minutes that weather's a go, flight is a go. And when we got to the four minute countdown, it started and didn't stop until the Delta IV Heavy was lit and left the launch pad. And what? What a sight, what an experience. I now know exactly what everyone says when they say you have to be there. Because I I can see these launches from my house. Once they cross the skyline, I can see the rockets and whatnot pretty good. But I knew this was going to be different. And I knew it was going to be a lot different. But you don't know it until you see it. The first and foremost is the sound. And the sound is just, it, it's not deafening, but very loud and very, and you can feel the sound vibrations coming from the rocket to lift off. The second thing, which I didn't expect and no one had ever told me about, was the heat. Once it cleared the launch pad, just about maybe a quarter way up before it got into the clouds, you could feel the heat rolling off from that initial burn. And it wasn't hot. It wasn't uncomfortable. But the fact that you could feel that amount of heat change in the air from where we were standing, was that was surprising. And, of course, the sights, being that close to it. I've never been that close to a one of these launches, of course. That, I think that goes without saying. So the, the sights of it as well. Just absolutely amazing experience. If well worth, if you ever have the opportunity... I, the opportunity well worth the time well worth the effort it takes to uh, get the all the everything you have to do for i don't know how it is for being just a uh, independent observer or whatnot or, or guest an audience participant 
but I know for what I did, I had to go through a, a, a small clearance process. It really was just filling out a form and then waiting. Uh, NASA, the social media team, I suppose, and, and more their team, security, and whoever did the work. All I had to do was take the time to fill out the form, make sure it was filled out correctly. Then I had to get my pass, my credentials, and I think you have to do the same if you're driving on with your car, so that'd be a step you'd have to take, I'd imagine. And then the, the whole getting up early and whatnot was well worth it. I mean, this morning I was really hoping that the, I was hoping the flight would take off just, just so I, of course, to see the launch and, and be a part of this. But then the second reason was so I didn't have to get up at 2.30 a third day in a row, only on a few hours sleep. But it, that just seems so silly now considering how much all that effort and which really wasn't all that much, how much that effort was, was worth it in the end. So I could probably go on and on and not make much sense, but I am going to not and just say, uh, well, I want to thank Jason and John at NASA Social, first and foremost, in case I forget in recordings. I'm sure I will re- put that in the studio recordings, but if I haven't, thank you, John and Jason, for this absolutely amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's something I will remember forever for the rest of my life. I can't believe I was able to experience this entire event, not just the launch, but the great day we had Wednesday. The great day it ended up being yesterday, even though the launch didn't go off, and then this absolutely fabulous and phenomenal launch experience. And being in a small way, a part of history. One of the people that stood along the Indian River as the very first Orion module went up into space. And it's orbiting right now as I speak. In fact, I am going home and going to be sitting right down in front of the TV and watching, getting ready to watch Splashdown, which should be about two hours-ish after I get home. So, again, many thanks to those two and to the entire NASA social program because they're doing they're doing they are looking at what we're doing in new media in podcasting people that blog people that use social media and and giving it and understanding it that's what I should say they understand what we're doing and they know it's oh, now it's now a very important part of how information is shared and I am very flattered and humbled that they included me in this small group to help report and share information on the Orion. So I can't thank them enough. I, uh, my, my initial thought is to keep saying thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll stop. In fact, I think I will stop this end of the recording and go to the studio recordings and wrap all of this up and just enjoy the rest of my day and run through the entire events over and over in my head and just with a big smile on my face. So at this point in this whole event, I had now made it home and, it, and I was exhausted. All those uh, two really long, exciting days, two very short nights of sleep. I'm not even sure how to put that into words. It was all about the catch up with me if it hadn't already caught up with me. But the splashdown was just about two hours away from happening. I really wanted to see it broadcast on TV or happen live on TV. So I had to keep myself awake. And that actually was, wasn't too difficult. The first was I had, I had rented a, a very good lens to get the best pictures I could of the whole event. Uh, one that's 
far more expensive than I'm willing to pay, but I would rent it for the two days. I had to get that dropped in the mail before the end of the day. So that was easy enough to pack up and take to the, the UPS store and drop that off and then get some lunch. And by the time that was all done, it was almost splashdown effect. Splashdown coverage had started. So it was easy enough to put on the TV and watch it to its end. So I did watch the splashdown so I could kind of put a period at the end of this entire event. And for this recording, to kind of complete the coverage, here is a little bit of the splashdown coverage. From a waypoint over the Pacific Ocean, there is your new spacecraft, America. Drogues away. Main chute deploy. On mains, everything looking good. Good reefing reported. Three good main chutes reported uh, from the USS Anchorage. That's confirmed here in Mission Control. From a high-speed rate of uh, 20,000 miles an hour to a gentle return back to Earth more than four hours and 20 minutes after it took off on a Delta IV heavy rocket from the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. Just a few hundred feet until splashdown. We have splashdown. Splashdown confirmed at 10.29 a.m. Central Time. Orion is back on Earth. America has driven a golden spike as it crosses a bridge into the future. So now, at this point, my Orion NASA social experience is complete. And it was amazing. Yes, I'm going to use that word again because it is accurate. I... I It was truly a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and I am so grateful to have experienced this and so thankful to the NASA social team and to John Yembrick and Jason Townsend for not only granting me this amazing opportunity, but for coordinating such a great event. It, it was far more than I expected, and I absolutely loved every minute of it. Space and space exploration have always been one of my greatest interests. But I have to admit that in my more adult years, I kind of lost a lot of the wonder and wide-eyedness of it. I still enjoyed following it. I started to really enjoy the science behind it, getting a better understanding of it. It's not something I could do, but I, I kind of understand it a little better. You get older, you start carving out your career, and you deal with the things that we all deal with in life. Some in different ways than others, and you kind of, whether intentionally or most of the times unintentionally, grow out of things and kind of leave things behind. And that, just the awe factor of space exploration and, and looking at these things and letting my imagination go wild with what I was looking at was one of those things I had lost for a little bit. I really have to thank the NASA social team and this event for reminding me about that part of what I've loved about space and space exploration and in a very real way, help bring that back to me. I am excited about where we're going with Orion. I am excited about the future and I'm really eager to continue to follow it and with any luck, cover more events like this, be it another wonderful opportunity with the NASA social program or as an independent venture. I think after this, Space, space exploration and NASA will be the large part of my life it was when I was a child, once again, if not more so. I really believe that. For the future, 
I hope to see the first launch of the SLS in a few years. I'll definitely be following it and would love to report on it in a similar fashion to this Orion report. And until then, there are plenty of rockets and commercial spacecraft launches between now and then that I plan to see some of those and report on those as well. And with some luck, maybe I can take some of my NASA-loving friends with me to get another first-time launch experience perspective on one of these. To wrap up this special episode, there was a post-mission news conference held by William Gerstenmeyer, Mark Geyer, Mike Haas, and Rex Walheim. And they had some incredible things to say to wrap up this entire mission. So at this point, I want to thank you for listening to this special podcast episode from neozaz.com. And I leave you with this clip from the Orion Flight Test Review News Conference. To see the enthusiasm from the folks here at Kennedy and, and even for the media, I don't think I've been in a press event where you applauded coming in. You're, you're usually sharpening your pencils and scowling at me with, with grimaces on your face. So, so again, thank you for, for catching that spirit that I think we all feel as human beings that we as a species are, are meant to push human presence into the solar system, and this is a first step in starting to do that. So again, thank you for getting us excited again and thinking about what it's like to be really a leader in space. So, so thanks to everyone and thanks to the team. The other images that I remember uh, were that we, we had a picture out the window, you might remember that one, and seeing the limb of the Earth at about 3,000 miles. What I liked about that view is one, um, you can see the frame of the window, so you feel like you're an astronaut yourself, you're looking out the window. It, it's different than a satellite taking a picture of the Earth. It's, it's what it would be like if you were inside the capsule on that mission yourself, so I thought that was very moving. And the distance we were from the Earth, which uh, a human-rated system hasn't gone that far since 1972. And in fact, uh, that mission was Apollo 17, which launched December 7th of uh, 1972, so almost exactly 42 years ago. So that, that reminded us that, you know, here we are again, now the United States leading exploration uh, out into the solar system. So that was a great, a great moment. As impressive as this flight was, this was just serial number 001 of Orion. And as, as, it, as successful as it was, there's just great things more to come down on the road. And we're looking forward to that. And I can't wait to get back to work. You know, serial number 002, that one's going to be on the space launch system. And I tell you, the sight of the Orion on top of the space launch system is going to take your breath away even before it takes flight. And then when it does take flight, America's going to sit up and take notice that the space program is just incredible and it's full of vitality. And I would just like to close on one particular thought. Uh, Bill and I have been at this a long time together. When we started at JSC, we started with all the Apollo guys still there. So we've kind of now finally done something for the first time for our generation. It's a good day. This has been a special podcast from the NewsAz.com Internet Entertainment Network. For more great podcast series and original entertainment, please visit our website at NewsAz.com. Follow at NASA Social on Twitter for all the NASA Social news, events, and coverage. Get all the latest NewsAz.com news episode releases and more at our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash NewsAzPodcast or follow us on Twitter from the account at NewsAz. This special podcast episode was produced independently by the NewsAz.com Internet Entertainment Network and is not affiliated with nor endorsed by NASA or the NASA Social Media Group. Orion, EFT-1, and all NASA missions, spacecraft, facilities, and equipment names are the intellectual property of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. 
For more news and events from NASA, visit nasa.gov or follow their Facebook page at facebook.com slash nasa. Thanks for listening.